All right, a couple things just as we get started this morning. Uh, one is I just have to mention, even though it's not one of our formal announcements today, I got to mention the gift. Friday night and Saturday, uh, this room was totally rearranged into a store of sorts, and 122 volunteers of you came out and served our community. And there were uh, like 120 plus families, and I think 335 of those were children. And so families got to come through, and they got to just shop their way through. And then we had a wrapping station over here, and many of you helped them wrap. And it was just a beautiful expression of God's love and grace to people. And, and we just do this to let people know that we love them and God loves them. And so thank you to those who gave. I know many of you brought gifts, uh, brought coats. It was just an amazing giving season. So thank you so much for that, and thank you for all of you who jumped in and helped. I just love that about you guys. A couple things here. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep bringing this before you. This is the wish list. So pull this out of your program. I'm aware that people come to church once, twice a month, sometimes three times a month. And so I've got to keep making the same announcement so that all of you hear it. Does that make sense? So here's the wish list. Uh, At the end of the year, uh, we give you an opportunity to share your blessing with others if you are so inclined. And so here's some ideas for you. You can go online actually at uh, ncctk.com and you can pick out the one you want to give to uh, as little as two bucks. Uh, all the way up to, uh, I see the Jeep got purchased for five grand, so uh, we still have a van. Um, but you can give toward any of these, and it's all great. Speaking of socks, I think we're sold out on socks. And I happen to be wearing a pair this morning, so it's as if I'm wearing New Testaments in my boots today because those socks were going partly to buy New Testaments. So like a pair of socks could conceivably buy four New Testaments for Mongolia, and so we're pretty excited about that. Here's what they look like. They're really great. I can't read a word out of them, but they look really good. So these are what are being given away in Mongolia to bring the love and light of Jesus uh, through the people that we know there. So pretty awesome. Thank you for buying the socks. Uh, Now you have your stocking stuffers taken care of, right? And then Christmas Eve, uh, we want to invite you back at 2, at 4, at 6.30. Uh, This place will be packed, and it will be a wonderful time of just bringing the love of our hearts to Jesus and recognizing him and having a time of of candlelight, not real candles. You know, we have found that real candles put the lady with the hairspray in her hair at risk. And so we've we've chosen to do uh, glow lights. So uh, we'll have fun with that. So bring your kids. We're going to have a great time. All right? Any questions? I didn't think so. (laughs) All right. Hey, welcome to week three. We're calling this a simple Christmas. Uh, We're calling this with us because that's simply what we want to remember, that Jesus is with us. Can you say with us? With us. So today, as we celebrate Advent, we're on the third week of Advent. We've lit the shepherd candle, which is here along with the other two. And as we think about the Christmas story this morning and all that it involved and the response that was required of each one of the players really involves one thing that I want to talk to you about today, and that is simple faith. Simple faith. You can hear all you want to hear You know, God can speak all that he can speak, but really until we respond with simple faith, nothing's going to happen. It's like with Zoe and Lucy this morning responding to the love of Jesus in their life and deciding that they were going to use their simple faith. And before all of you, you know how hard that is, right? Before all of you, they were going to walk into the waters of baptism and say, I love Jesus. He loved me first and I choose to identify with him. So we're going to talk about simple faith this morning. We're keeping things simple for you, okay? 
Online dictionary says what faith is, is complete confidence in something or someone. So when you think about faith or complete confidence, you know, we really use faith every day. You got in the shower this morning and you had faith that the water was going to be hot, right? And hopefully you got in the shower this morning. Uh, You got in the car this morning and you had faith that it was going to start. And don't you hate it when it doesn't, right? And so the car started. Um, You had faith this morning that on your way to church, everyone would drive on their side of the street. Now, that's the one that really gets me uh, because I've had the opposite happen before, you know. I mean, when you're going 50 miles an hour down the Hannigan, if you're keeping the speed limit, and there's people coming at you at 50 miles an hour, and there's like four feet between you, have you ever thought about how much faith you're using in that moment? Faith that somebody's not going to cross over the line and going to take you out. You know, you have faith that people are going to stay on their side. A few years ago, I was driving to church. It was a Tuesday night. It's like 5.30, coming back to the fire just making my way down Grover, minding my own business. All of a sudden, off one of those cross streets comes this huge car like a Buick or something and hit the back end of my car, luckily just behind my driver's door, and spun me all the way around and threw me up on the curb facing the wrong wrong direction the other way. And I'm fortunate. I was in my little car, not my big truck, and I'm fortunate that I was not hurt or killed. You know, I think that God was watching out for me. But you know what? I have PTSD now. I have cross street PTSD. Do you know how it is when you're driving, like, let's say, in town or even down the Hannigan and you see people roll up to the stop sign and it looks like they're, they're going to keep rolling? I actually talk to people in the other cars now. My wife will tell you, I'll say, stay, stay. No, no, no. Don't you come a little bit further. Don't you come out in front of me. And every now and then somebody will turn in front of you on the Hannigan. And don't you hate that? Don't you hate that? And don't you just ride their tail for about two miles? I, I don't. I would never do that. Just want to let them know that I was there. Right? And so the Bible, though, doesn't talk about faith as just having confidence in something we can see or know. The Bible expands on this human faith and tells us that faith is not about the things that we can build trust in or grow to trust But faith is about things that we've never seen or things that we hope for. Hebrews 11.1, this is not in your notes, but it's a great scripture. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Let me put it simply this morning. Simple faith. Simple faith is following. Simple faith is following. It's following the leading of God in my life. It's saying yes, like Zoe and Lucy did this morning, simply saying yes to Jesus in areas of my life that maybe I haven't said yes before. Maybe I've withheld areas of my life. You know, from the prophets of old who spoke out what they had heard from God, they used their faith to say things like the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And imagine what that was like for these prophets to have to speak these words, creating the framework for Jesus to come. And then think about Mary and Joseph who said yes, even though their families did not understand. And Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, who prophesied over her and in her state of being with child gave her a safe place to stay when probably a lot of the community was not happy with Mary. And she might not have even been safe in a lot of the community. Elizabeth did. 
And how about the wise men who read the prophecies and, and then they faithfully followed this star, seeking the Savior. And, and they were not even necessarily knowers of God. They just followed what God spoke to them through the prophecies. And then think about the shepherds who we're going to talk about for a little bit today. Think about what it meant for them to say yes, to respond to the voice of the angel uh, in the sky and to say yes to God's voice and leading in their life. We know that the night Jesus was born that an angel appeared to the shepherds and um, they were in the fields guarding their flocks and God's glory shone about them and the Bible says they were afraid. So for them to leave their familiar space, for them to leave the place that they knew, and and for them to leave their sheep, conceivably, I don't know who was watching the sheep, or if they took the sheep with them, I don't know. But for them to go and leave and go to find this baby, the Savior that had been born, involves simple faith. At some level, you've got to understand, they were leaving what they knew to go find what they'd been told about. And so we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 15, and it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Would you say those three things with me? Let's go, let's see, and has told. Let's say that again. Let's go, let's see, has told. So number one in your notes today, as we think about simple faith, it's that simple faith responds by hearing, by going, and by seeing. And first of all, we've got to talk about hearing. Faith responds to accurately hearing what the Lord has spoken to you through His Word. You have to learn to listen accurately as you listen to the Lord in your life. You know, I don't always listen accurately. I don't always hear things the way they're said. I don't know about you. I think that's probably a, a problem most men have anyway. But last week, Gwen and I were getting ready for work. And I love getting ready for work at the same time as my wife because we talk about, you know, what's going to come through our day. It's just kind of a fun, relaxing time of, of getting ready, right? It takes her a lot longer than me. I don't know what that says. Um, but, you know, we're going in and out of the bathroom and the fans are going or the blow dryer is going, what have you. And it's noisy, and you can't always hear exactly what's been said. And so in the middle of this, last week, I walk into the bathroom, and my wife, with her back to me, says these words. She says, how does my bun look? Because she had been fixing a bun on the back of her head. And so, hearing what I wanted to hear, (laughs) sorry, baby. I heard her say, how does my bum look? Because we have relatives in Canada, and that's a word that gets used a lot, you know, with our relatives. And that's what I, I mean, I heard what I wanted to hear, and I responded, your bum looks great. I like your bum, you know. And we got a good laugh out of it. But the point is this, that life is noisy. Life is noisy. We get distracted by sounds and by what's going on in life, by the stressors of life. And then I think we all have this problem that we hear what we want to hear. All of us are predisposed to hear what we want to hear. But you see, faith doesn't get built by hearing what you want to hear. Faith gets built by hearing something different, something that challenges the norms of your life or the familiar of your life, challenges what you want to hear, something that requires the power and the intervention of God. That's what faith 
requires. And so we, first of all, need to be listening closely if you want to hear God, because God won't always say the things you're expecting him to say, even through his word. God won't say the things you're expecting him to say. And how many of you know that you can read the same chapter a hundred times through your life, and every time you read it, it might say something a little different to you because of what the Spirit is working on in your life. And sometimes God may even say things you don't want to hear. And that is what I found is pretty normal for God. And so God speaks to us through his word because here's what God is after in us. He's after transformation. God doesn't want us to stay the same as we were last week or last year. God wants to see change in our hearts and in our lives. And so God is always, you can count on this about him. He is always after transformation. He's always after heart change. Listen, when you come to church on a Sunday, I hope that you're not just here to to check off the box or maybe gain some knowledge. I hope you're here for the same reason I am, and that is for God to work on my heart. You know, I I get to live in this stuff all week long. I get to listen to him speak about these scriptures all week long. And so he's really working transformation in my life all week. But we come here not just to gain information, but we come here to gain transformation. And so God speaks the things that require faith. Romans 10:17. I remember this scripture because it's my birthday, 10:17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what is God looking for? God is looking for changed hearts. God is looking for changed hearts that results in different living. You should be living differently today than you lived a year ago. And not worse, you should be living better. Because God's word has the power to change our lives. But we have to read it. We have to accurately hear it. So that we can let God work that change in our lives. Now, think about the shepherds. The shepherds could have heard this great word from the Lord. And because of their fear, they might have just stayed frozen. Frozen in their fields. Because fear does that to us. But they chose to push through, and and I think they were kind of excited. And so their faith gave way to action. And that's the thing about faith. I want you to get this about faith this morning. Faith does not lie dormant. Faith does not lie dormant. Faith always takes action. Faith says, let's go. That's what the shepherds said. They said, let's go. James 2.14, remember this when it comes to faith. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? If you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough unless it produces good deeds It is dead and useless. I like to say that it's our good deeds that prove our faith. It's our good works that prove our faith. So faith responds to God's word, God's voice in your life. What is God telling you to do? How is God telling you to change? Faith says, let's see and let's go. Faith finds Jesus in a greater way than you knew him before. Always faith is leading us forward. It's calling us forward. And the outcome of faith is loving people. That's the great commandment. It's loving God and loving people. That should always be the outcome of our faith. And faith doesn't wait. 
Faith doesn't say, well, let's just see if, if that was just bad pizza. Let's just see if I was hearing things. No, faith gets good counsel from others, but then faith hurries to respond. And that's what we see the shepherds doing in verse 16. It says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. Can you say told everyone? Told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Faith does not keep good news to ourselves. Faith shares the good news that others can benefit. See, Joseph and Mary needed some encouragement. The other people, whoever they were at the stable, needed some encouragement. And so faith doesn't keep the good news to ourselves, but faith tells everyone. If you're not telling Jesus, people about Jesus, the chances are you have fear about that. And my guess is, because I wrestle with the same fear, my guess is it's the fear of people. What are they going to think? How are they going to respond? Am I going to offend them? Listen, when eternity's on the, mo- on the line, none of that matters, right? None of that matters when eternity's on the line. And so fear is what keeps us from really confessing our faith. But simple faith erupts into confessing Christ. That's number two in your notes today. Simple faith erupts into confessing Christ. Like a volcano, simple faith erupts. You know, we live in this very social culture today, and I have to say I love it. I I like social media. I know not everybody agrees with me, but I'm in touch with so many more people and friends around the world. I just love it. Um, But it's funny to me what gets shared on social media, like relationships. You know, people like to share that they're in a relationship. Have you noticed that? Like first date. In a relationship. And I'm like, why don't you hold off on that for a little while? You, know, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe you should, instead of saying I'm in a relationship, just wait a few weeks, go on a few dates. Keep your options open. Because you never know. Keep a list of active candidates. And then finally, when you've got some good footing under your feet, and you feel like maybe it's really going somewhere, then yes, I'm in a relationship, right? I'm committed to this. But I'm always surprised by that. People love to share about relationships. I was surprised one day a couple of Thanksgivings ago to see that David Lukens, who had been married quite a while, was sharing about being in a relationship. And this is what he was saying. He said, I'm in a relationship with gravy. And then up there you can see he says, sorry, Jules. And so I got back to him right away and I said, does Julie know you're in this relationship? You know, it was Thanksgiving. And then, you know, all the responses you can imagine that David got over that, over that sharing of this relationship. But I'll tell you what I love social media about the most. And it is the fact that we get to share with the world that we're in a relationship with Jesus and that we have him in our life. We get to share things about him all the time, you know, little things that, that you would never get to share, that people would never know about your relationship with Christ if you did not have social media to share it on. And I know there's a downside to social media, But I think all of us should go home today and we should post and say, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. What about that? Wouldn't that be great? Some of you have done that already. You know, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And let the world know. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 10, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. So this is the thing about simple faith. And the shepherds did it. They erupted into praise. They they couldn't keep the good news of the angel to themselves. They had to tell Mary and Joseph. 
and they erupted into confessing Christ. Now, if you're as old as me this morning, you will remember in 1980, something happened in our state that was uh, made big news all around our nation because it was the most deadly volcano in the known history of the United States. 57 people were killed. And by the way, 55 of them were in the safe zone when they were killed. And I was a senior at Linden High, and, and we had ash all the way to Linden. Anybody remember the ash? We had ash here. Why did it erupt? Why did the volcano erupt? Well, it's because of the steady building of pressure of steam and molten rock underneath the crusty surface of the earth that finally built to the degree that it blew the top off of a mountain. And we had this amazing volcano experience right here in Washington State. It was remarkable. Um, it, It just blew away a lot of the surrounding area as well. And so that's what a volcano is. It becomes active. It becomes active. And the pressure builds so much that eventually the pressure of the heat and the steam erupts and molten rock pours out. Here's a picture of that. Pretty remarkable, isn't it, when you see the power there. And you can't stop it. Do whatever you want. Build walls. You cannot stop this. Because of all the activity within, under the surface... It erupts. And that's exactly how the pressure of the Holy Spirit, the love of God in our lives should be. That it pressurizes and builds up so much power in our lives that at some point we blow. (laughs) At some time we just can't contain the love of Jesus and so we share it. And maybe we're not standing on the street corners with signs But maybe when we have opportunities, we can't contain ourselves and we say, I just need to share with you how God has so amazingly loved me and forgiven me. And I want you to know about that. You know, when we blow, when when we allow God to pour out over us, it changes the landscape of our lives. It leaves the mountain, who we were, it leaves us looking different than we were before. No longer maybe are we the beautiful peak we were. No longer maybe are we the self-sufficient prideful person that we were, you know, tall and snow-capped. But now we begin to show evidence of a deeper work that's going on in our life. And this is what I find about simple faith in the life of the believer. I find that simple faith, and as you begin to share Christ and confess your faith, that it begins to show evidence of a deeper work. No longer self-sufficient, no longer tall and proud, But now you begin to share about the change in your landscape. And you begin to share about how different you are today than you were before. And it may not be pretty. And there may be some things about your life that were hard and difficult and that were ruined. And then this eruption came and and the lava of God's molten hot love poured over your life. and, and And the landscape looks broken for a while. But then it begins to come back to life and get restored. You know, it reminds me of the story of the woman at the well. And I know this is a common story, but it's so powerful. Jesus met this woman at a well in Samaria. Shouldn't be talking to her. You know, it was against all the mores of the culture. But he begins to speak with her, and and he begins to call out in her uh, where she's been broken in life and where she has sinned in life and talks to her about this living water that he wants to give her. And this woman goes back to her village, and immediately she begins to share all that Jesus has said with her. 
and said, here's a man that knows everything about my life. And it goes like this. She ran back to the village telling everyone. Now, now remember, this was not specifically great stuff about her life. This was like about a bunch of marriages and living with a guy. But she runs back to the village and she tells everybody, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And you see people streaming from the village to see him. You know, you hear me say this a lot. And I'm I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to badger anybody. I'm just simply saying, you know, we talk about all the good things that happen in our life. What could possibly be better than Jesus? What could possibly be better than what he has done for us? And I would love to see us become a people who become so familiar with his love and sharing his love that, that that happens easily with us. That we have subsequent eruptions where we share Christ with those people that are in our lives. That's what happened with the shepherds. The shepherds were telling everybody at the manger what the angels said. And as the story goes in, in verse 18, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Think about that. How the shepherd's words about the angel's announcement. We often don't think about this part of the story, but think about how that encouraged Mary and said to her, Yes, Mary, you're in the right place. You've done the right thing. I am with you. I am with you. Listen to this story of the shepherds and be be encouraged that I am with you. Think about how how our story can often encourage others. It's a beautiful thing to see. And then the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And that leads us to our last point today. Number three, simple faith becomes simple life expression. Let me say that again. Simple faith becomes simple life expression. We're simply different than we were before. You know, the shepherds went back to what they had done before. They were still shepherds. They were still guarding sheep. But I believe that they did it differently than they had before. You know, the lambs that they raised, lots of researchers say these were the lambs that were going to be used for the sacrifices. These were perfect lambs, lambs without spot or blemish that they were raising. And to imagine that they had just met the Lamb of God. And to go back now, with that understanding of the sacrificial lambs they were raising, they had just seen who they represent. Wouldn't that be remarkable? I don't know how much they knew, how much God revealed to them, but wouldn't that be remarkable? You would have to do your job differently than you had before, wouldn't you? Jesus would have really impacted their life. So there was evidence in their lives that they had been with the Messiah and they had been impacted. And it's not even that their careers changed Their jobs didn't change, but what motivated them changed. And I think the same can be true for us. Why we do what we do can make us entirely different at the job we do. Why we do what we do can make us entirely different at the job we do. So when you come to know Jesus, you're transformed. Your heart is different, and you grow in that transformation. And you see life differently, and you do life differently. And the reason you do life is different. Now more and more, day by day, you do the things you do out of love. Love for God, love for one another. How can I make a difference in your life? That's what motivates us, right? Colossians 3, it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, 
admonishing or encouraging one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. You know, when we sing together on Sunday morning, that's the sense I get from you. Sometimes I just stop singing and I listen. This morning I saw Joel pull his, his earbud out of his ear. And I know why he did that. He wanted to hear you. Whenever Joel pulls the earbud, or Becky pulls the earbud out of their ear, it's because they want to hear you. It's because you are singing with grace, thanking Jesus for all he's done for you. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, you know, where you work, where you play, raising your kids, you do it differently. You do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, when Mount St. Helens erupted, it left evidence, didn't it? It left evidence of its activity. And where there was just a mountain, now there were layers. And now there were canyons. I was thinking about that this week, the layers and the canyons of Mount St. Helens, how the landscape had changed. And I thought, you know, I have layers and canyons in my life that weren't there but have come through pain and hardship and letting Jesus walk with me through things and how God has changed the landscape of my life. And I think he's changed the landscape of yours too. So the layers in the canyons of Mount St. Helens, you know, here's a little bit of, of just creation science for you this morning, okay? A little extra for you today. In a publication online called creation.com from July 2017, the writer named Taz Walker writes about what scientists learned from the evidence of Mount St. Helens. Here's what he says. Listen closely. This is scientific, okay? He said, The big surprise was that the sediment deposited in fine layers called laminae. You would expect a catastrophic high-speed ash to flow, to churn all the particles together and form a uniform well-mixed deposit. That's what you'd expect, that you wouldn't be able to differentiate. It would just be one big layer of churned particles, a well-mixed deposit. Thus, it had been conventionally thought that fine layers had to accumulate very slowly, one upon the other over hundreds of years. But Mount St. Helens showed that the coarse and the fine material automatically separated into thin, distinct bands demonstrating that such deposits can form very quickly from fast-flowing fluids and liquids and gases. Since then, laboratory experiments have shown that fine laminae also form quickly from flowing water. This shows how finely layered sandstone deposits in other situations, such as some of the lower layers in the Grand Canyon, likely formed much more rapidly than previously believed. Interesting. Now, I visited Grand Canyon three years ago and went through the scientific presentation of how the canyon was formed. And it's interesting that, of course, they haven't amended the views at all or even given any language about how catastrophic situations might speed up this process that they say took millions of years to form. Again, I'm not going to argue with you about how long it took. I'm just saying that a catastrophic event makes it look like it took a lot longer than it really did. And so here's another picture, this one of a canyon. And according to Taz Walker, 
The Mount St. Helens eruption also demonstrated how canyons can be formed much faster and in a different manner than conventionally thought. Ongoing eruptions eroded the thick sediment dumped at the base of the volcano, producing multiple channels and canyons. One such channel was dubbed Little Grand Canyon. It was about 140th the size of Grand Canyon. Its side walls are about 140 feet high, its width up to 150 feet wide, and a small stream of water runs through the bottom of it. Now, many people, if they were to come across this canyon at Mount St. Helens and view the stream running through the bottom of it, would come to the same conclusion that was concluded about the Grand Canyon, that, that this creek slowly eroded away the, this land until finally, uh, many hundreds and thousands or millions of years later, you have a canyon. However, the formation of this canyon was documented at Mount St. Helens. It was carved by a mud flow caused by, after a small eruption of Mount St. Helens, melted snow within the crater on March 19, 1982, two years after the initial eruption. The mud was built up behind the debris. It burst through it. It cut the canyon in a single day. It took one day to cut the Little Grand Canyon. So the creek did not cause the canyon. The canyon caused the creek. So there's just a little bit extra for you today, okay? Let me bring this to our lives. Because I do believe that all of us have layers and canyons in our lives. I do. As I look around the room, some of you, I, I know what your layers and canyons are because we've talked about them. But I do believe that every single one of us have layers and canyons. And w what do those look like in us? You know, I think that in our walk with Christ, our layers are built every day. Every day there's something new that God is doing. And as he restores the landscape of that initial eruption of our life where we gave our heart to Christ and he began to dismantle so that he could reassemble us. As you look over the landscape of your life, you begin to see the beauty of what God has done and new plants are growing and new greenery is growing. But underneath all that are the layers, is the sediment. And it's a beautiful thing when you think about all that God has done and the restoration that he's accomplished in your life. And for many of us, God is doing that right now. Right now, as you sit in this room, God is working on another layer. I think about freedom sessions on Monday nights and how as we come and sit around our table and we share uh, from our past and we invite Jesus to heal in the present, when we go through that process, how God is healing us layer by layer and restoring our lives. And, and it's really a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. And so all of us, I believe, have layers of faith where we have to trust Jesus with our life. And those layers bring us to maturity, or in other words, they make us look older than we really are and make us look more mature than we really are and help our, our soul to become rich in the depths of healing that Jesus does in our life. And if people never go through that process with Jesus, they've never erupted in their life, then you will not find the layers of healing that, that we as followers of Christ get to experience with Jesus. And you know, sometimes canyons are cut in our life. Anybody aware of a canyon that was cut in your life? Let me see your hands. I've had canyons cut in my life. Painful. Painful to have a canyon cut in your life. And sometimes it's because of sin, and sometimes it's because something that's been done against you. Sometimes the canyon comes when you decide, I'm going to process life. 
like we do at Freedom Session, when, when you decide I'm going to go through and look at my past and invite Jesus to come into my present and heal me. And what happens at those times is that there's debris and there's mud that's built up in the crater. And when you invite Jesus to come and heal those things, it releases this flow in your life. And it may cut, it may hurt a little bit, and it may even leave a canyon, but lots of things leave canyons. This is a a good reason to have a canyon. And it leaves a canyon in your life, but what follows is the stream. That (laughs) comes into the bottom of your canyon and now flows in the very places that have been painful, that have been hard, and now flows into the lives of others as they come and get to be comforted or get to be encouraged or you get to share with them what Jesus did for you and that he can do that for them. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a great reason to have a canyon, you know, but sometimes it means going through some pain in your life before Jesus can work that way. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I was here at the gift. It's such a beautiful expression of of your church, uh, just people giving themselves to help people. And this woman walked up to me and she said, you know, a couple of years ago, that was me. I was out there. I was getting helped. Uh, I was having my needs met. And she said, this year, I'm out here and I get to help walk people through and get their needs met. And she said, it's such a, a wonderful thing to help people in the very areas of life that I felt needy at one point. And now I get to be the one who helps them through. And I thought, there's a canyon, right? There's a canyon. There's a canyon in her life that was carved there through the neediness of her life or through the, you know, the times where she felt at risk in her life. Maybe she felt alone. Maybe she just didn't have enough. And so it carved a canyon in her life. But now there's a stream flowing through the bottom of that canyon that now is coming out and helping people be refreshed and helping people receive the very help that she received. That's the life of a Christian. That's the life of Christ. That's what Jesus wants to do in every single one of us. You know, if it's a canyon that was caused by pain, it's simply that Jesus wants that to become a place where you allow water to flow, right? Where you allow water to flow. Maybe you've been through something and he has brought you to healing and now you can use that to share his grace with somebody else. So that is simple faith. That is simple faith. Faith to hear, faith to go, and faith to see. And I believe that you can't really behold the Son of God with eyes of faith without coming away unchanged. I believe that like the shepherds, when you behold the Son of God with eyes of faith, you always come away changed. And God works in your heart. So seeing Him, knowing Him, gives way to this expression of love in our lives as we learn to behold him. Let's bow our heads this morning. Worship team's going to come. I want to pray with you. And they're going to lead you in a couple of great songs to wrap up our time together. Jesus, this morning, as we think about simple faith, we're so grateful that you're the one that pursued us because, honestly, we, we wouldn't have been able to. We didn't have what it took. But, Jesus, you gave us the gift of faith, Lord, you gave us the opportunity to know you. you. You loved us. You pursued us with your love and grace. And here we are this morning in this room. Most of us, I would say, with a relationship with you, if not all. 
But Lord, here we are, all because we got to behold you. We got to behold you. We got to see you. And we have come away changed. And so, Lord, my prayer for these precious brothers and sisters this morning is that each of us would allow that beholding to become a life-giving stream in our lives, wherever we work, wherever we live, we would allow you to become the life-giving stream that brings refreshment and encouragement to others. God, give us eyes to see what you are doing. Help us to listen to you so that we can discern what you are saying and so that we can participate with you. And we will give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship Jesus.